Welcome to Tactical Permaculture. I've worked on projects ranging from the poorest to richest clients, from inner cities to suburbs to farmlands to remote wilderness, from the eco-war front lines to celebrity backyards. In over 25 years of service to the earth and the community of life, I've learned that in the fight for sustainable survival, growing is half the battle. Go to tacticalpermaculture.com for more info. You gotta train for me Because I'm training for you We gotta love, love And revolution to do You better train for me You'll be training for you June 8th, 2023, episode 61 I believe it is about time that I express my sentiments on artificial intelligence. And uh, I'm not going to sign on to any collective statement or sentiment. I have my own evolving position. And I. I've, I've waited as long as, as I could, I think, to uh, give it some time to sort itself out a bit in the zeitgeist before uh, sharing my thoughts. This won't be the last time, but it is the first time since what I think we will look back at the... Uh, I don't know what it'll be called in the history of, in history period. <laughs> it's, it's almost, it, to me, it's similar to the way the internet existed for a long time before it was what they call the internet or the Netscape or the uh, AOL moment before it, before it was popularized. Um, the technology existed in latent or somewhat more primitive forms, certainly less capitalized forms. This is a little bit different because, um, well, it's, yeah, no, it's interesting because, um, yeah, if I guess defining it. I mean, where, where, if you're listening to this, and sometime in the future, what, what, what moment am I even referring to? Because <laughs> the AI timeline, it's this isn't day one. So I'm in the. This is mid, mid, approximately mid 2023, where we've had several months of. Transformers, large language models, the chat interface into into the uh, end user experience, making it possible for the uh, for for the simulation of artificial intelligence is what some artificial intelligence. Programmers, researchers, activists um, are calling it 
as a critique and actually saying the term is so loose it's being applied to everything but actually <laughs> we shouldn't think that it's actually that smart because because for and I'm paraphrasing I don't I don't I don't think I can remember exactly the technical the technicalities of the points that he was making but the but but it, it was very intuitive to me what what he was saying that uh whereas this is an astounding moment and and it's profound the reality is it is um it's more that it's guessing probabilis- probabilistically than it is reasoning and and thinking in a way that that is as elegant as we would assume our thinking is in that we're probably not i mean if if we had to do the amount of computational power that goes into producing a, a chat GPT response. I don't know what the exact conversion is, but I would imagine your head would probably melt, explode, or you would have to put it, you'd have to freeze it <laughs> to the lowest point that your brain would still do the computation, even though you probably would not come back. You'd be brain dead after doing one one chat GPT response uh, because of the the sheer um, elect- electricity that that's involved in all the computation to arrive for, with the models the way that they're they're at now. I know they're being I know they're being they're being made more elegant, and and it, I'm sure they're going to continue to get more efficient. But at this moment, at least, it's kind of a it's kind of a a misnomer or a little bit I just thought that was an interesting point because yeah it's how intelligent is it if um, you have to boil the oceans for it to work and then once you burn out and fry all the equipment it took to do the to, to do the uh, the unveil <laughs> uh, you cut the ribbon and then and then and then it, it just saps the power all the power on earth and it doesn't it doesn't last and you have to uh, it's kind of like a Robocop 2 and Ed 209 or whatever and whatever it was kind of um backfires <laughs> in the in the initial unveiling i don't think it's that bad although actually no i do in a lot of ways it is that bad because of all of the uh anti-social behavior that's being exhibited by all these unruly and poorly poorly regulated and, and poorly um programmed this wild west of uh, the chatbot experience as woke as it may try to be it certainly has already proven itself a lot of i'm not gonna give any i'm not gonna point fingers at any of the big names who are rolling this out but i think they're all generally to one and to, to varying degrees but all generally complicit in um in um a moral hazard and a a something that to me is so um so creepy and so disturbing that uh as much of a use every tool in the toolbox kind of a 
techno luddite i mean i'm i'm uh i'm i'm it's something about the duality of man sir i'm like um what is it matthew modine in a full metal jacket with the born to kill written on his uh ballistic helmet with the peace symbol also uh on it as a button or whatever it was this duality well i'm i use technology like i'm using it right now but at heart i'm using it hopefully so that it will that this use of technology will will lead to a a uh a luddite questioning of all of these systems of technology and and that we will move in a direction towards sustainable and appropriate technology which may or may not involve microchips that's yet to be determined i think there are some people working on various forms of um computation involving more natural methods although i have to wonder at what point does that just become another form of microscopic slave enslavement um but hey what about micro mitochondria it, it, it all depends on how symbiotic it is if you can somehow run computations in a way that uh tickles bacteria or something without torturing them and you can prove it to me i'm not saying i'm going to invest but i will at least you know maybe be somewhat hopeful that we that we wouldn't have to surrender all of our um digitization and networking toys in order to be fully green but whether it's because we collapse or we end up in a, some sort of apocalypse of our own making natural or artificial apocalypse or artificial intelligent apocalypse i don't think the technology is going away anytime soon um i would like to see less not more of it in general i'd like to see um all kinds of of scaling back on the uh energy footprint and the just the overall ecological footprint of 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 all the devices and what not certainly a lot of it goes into landfill still and a lot of the recycling is kind of bs so i all that is to say yeah i'm not a big you know i was i i i was willing to be a major advocate of crypto because i because certainly as it moved towards the ecologically elegant proof of stake future i see it as a way of again technology that is a a weapon of the week a a a tool a tool using technology as a tool a tool to empower people on the edges and ultimately ideally with lower intensity networks lower and lower intensity devices mesh networks and raspberry pis and what not you to me that's very much uh pushing power and pushing security and pushing the the even the ecological footprint to to ways that to the edges where they where it can be more more creatively and more um 
managed in a more sustainable way. So I, I have been, and I, I still am an advocate of crypto, the cryptocurrency revolution as a Luddite, a primitivist at heart, willing to use any means necessary, every tool in the toolbox, even if it is on, the, on, on its face, hypocritical. If the ends justify the means, sometimes you do what you gotta do. But with this, at this stage of what artificial intelligence is doing, I'm actually not touching it myself. I don't yet, I don't, I'm, for one, I don't have a great need for it. I'm not very curious about it and I don't, and, and the way that it's been rolled out Although if you're, I'm advanced, I'm advanced as enough uh, as of a, um, a systems administrator, as a, as a developer, as a, a code reader and writer, I'm sophisticated enough to where, um, I could, I could at this stage avail myself of what, what's being considered more private and secure implementations of open source uh, libraries that that allow you to uh, to replicate the sort of chat GPT experience that people are having in a, in a very unprivate and a very monitored and insecure and um, I don't know exactly what kind of user agreement that they're having people <laughs> click through um, I, it's probably not the worst thing in the world. I don't know what, what the deal is with whether or not they're... I don't know what all their privacy terms are. I'm going to steel man them and say that they're probably doing a a decent job or at least a industry standard job, which is not saying much because they are... I believe they've already had some, some breaches and hacks and, uh, and those are sort of... Um, cybersecurity 101 type of blunders and so that doesn't give me a lot of faith but again it's again that's kind of goes without saying not there's not there's not a lot of penalties for data breaches and I'm I'm very acutely aware I, I keep uh, my finger on the pulse daily of, of the data breaches around the world and uh to this day, yeah, there are some agencies that will that will catch up and, and give fines, but um, but for the most part, yeah. For example, I don't want to be, I don't I don't want until I'm reasonably certain that there that there is a implementation of this type of technology that is the duck duck go. Um, type alternative to to google searching as it were i don't know that that i don't know that 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 exists yet for for these chat these ai chatbots and i don't know and even if it did i think i would want to give it some time to prove out a little bit because it's also because you know everybody's moving fast and breaking things and rushing to ship code in order to be competitive and they're cutting a lot of corners and I really don't need my AI 
chat chat history and all of the gore that would be in that to be uh in the on the dark web or in a in a reddit forum or wherever it's going to end up on discord i don't i don't need i don't need that um I'm happy to search when I need to search the old-fashioned way. And if, if DuckDuckGo integrates it in a way that I then end up using it either just without knowing it or, or, or they, they roll features in, then I'll start using it then, then um, I, will, I will consider, I will, if, as long as they don't, as long as they're clear about any modifications to, to, to their privacy policies that that would, in, that that would involve. Um, but but having a good degree of trust and faith in their integrity, then maybe I will end up having some experiences. But at this very moment, I have not. I've chosen not to touch it. But I do listen to Nathaniel Whitmore's AI breakdown every day. So I've, I'm I'm not um, <laughs> I'm not burying my head in the sand as a form of. Um, ignorant uh luddism i'm actually very intrigued and interested and i'm i'm paying attention to it and i'm getting the latest a digest of all the daily news of it from one of one of my favorite uh journalists and freelance um very astute thinkers so my my analysis at this point uh it's informed I am not uh, highly experienced and um and I personally just don't have I don't I don't need to do a lot of productivity hacks in fact right now I want to, I don't want more game genie in my life I want the game I want to play the games that I'm playing I want to play them without cheat codes and without game genie because that's how I want to live my life right now. For example, I'm work, I'm learning and applying JavaScript, Python, even now getting into Haskell, and um, and whereas I'm 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 very much grateful to use a uh, what they call IDE. I think they call it inter- interactive development environment. I can't remember what the I stands for, but basically, a uh, if you're old school, it was like Dreamweaver. But basically, well, it, if you're using WordPress to do your blog and you don't have to write HTML brackets and whatnot, uh, it's not exactly like that. But an IDE for a developer. Um, it'll do, it'll, it'll do some automatic formatting for you. And, but most importantly, it will highlight the syntax and, and, and let you know when you're getting it wrong and let you know when you try to run or compile the code, what line out of however many hundreds of thousands or millions of lines that you're working with, what, what line is throwing the error. And then you can realize, oh, I didn't close the bracket or whatever it was. Um, which would, would be insanely hard to do without these devices. So I, I lean on that. But beyond that, those guardrails of those um, the, of that software, I don't. I don't want. I don't want to. Uh, and also, no. Well, I'll do respect. I or, or not. I'll do respect. But with uh, with um, 
with great respect, I have to shout out the incumbent <laughs> crowdsourced intelligence of, of writing code for most people, which is uh, Stack Overflow, Stack Exchange, all of the all of the uh, the, the the generous, infinite, infinitely generous, angelic <laughs> support that is that is provided in on those platforms and and beyond other personal blogs and whatnot but um yeah i i like to i like to develop an understanding of the code i'm using i'm not saying that these new ai assisted code writing you you could choose your own adventure i'm just not so yeah i don't want to i don't want to cheapen it and call it all cheat codes and game genie or whatever if if you're super lazy and you want to cut quarters corners and you want to cheat you want to cheat on your uh, term paper or on your court filing, as we just heard about, then yeah, you can have it spit something out for you and you can be very hands-off and not very interactive. Um, or you could be more granular, which eventually I probably would be and be willing to be. And uh, yeah, I don't want to be phobic about it, but I am I am kind of enjoying myself the process the just the state that I'm in all that to say I don't ha- I don't have a great financial need to to integrate or die with AI right now I, I'm I'm kind of floating in financial freedom land for now um so I don't feel a great sense of uh I don't feel like there's a big rug pull that's happening uh outside of <laughs> outside of some of the the recent uh, events in crypto regulation uh which kind of feels like a bit of a a rug pull a regulatory rug pull but uh I think we'll survive I think we'll we'll be we'll, we'll be stronger and we'll unite more and we'll find strength in unity that we didn't have before um so so that's a side note but uh but no, I don't. I don't have a job, so I don't think my job's going to get replaced by AI. So I don't have a lot of experience with trying to get on that train or get on that hamster wheel or, or <laughs> be on that rat race. But I am witnessing it and studying it from from the outside, and I probably will begin to play with it more eventually. But I'm not. Uh, you know my com- my personal compute time is about to be is about to evaporate to almost nothing because it's going to get so hot even though I'll have plenty of solar power for my office it's all going to be going into fans but not but I won't be able to sit even upright to be on to be doing any computing and better I spare the the CPU from overheating anyway it's it's now with El Nino <laughs> on top of it uh I know uh, uh, my the days are numbered for how much computing I'm going to be able to do. I will be able to, uh, if I can keep my phone at a, at a reasonable temp- temperature, I will be able to study a lot. Uh, but I won't be able to to do a lot of uh, a lot of coding or or playing with AI. So I don't have much to say about how useful or not useful it is, uh, how how creepy or not creepy it is from personal experience. I will just speak uh, for the rest of this of this show episode. What I want to speak to is is more of a uh, 
an economic um, more societal philosophical sort of perspective on it far yeah far far higher view than the minutiae of what it what it's going to do I'll have some things to say about the trajectory of it the trends affecting culture and, and society and economics of course but um, but yeah this is not a it's not a how-to or how I feel about using it this is about the effect it's it's having and, and what it looks like it's the effects it's going to accelerate that have already been predicted and, and sort of um, anticipated so the the, the the way I wanted to put a theme around talking about AI is is one of my early reactions and still my strongest feeling and reaction is that uh, that it's been creeping up in very in it's been creeping up in multiple industries from self-driving vehicles to on automate to automation of warehouses and, and robotics and drones and whatnot so so before it was automation replacing mostly blue collar jobs that was that was uh on my radar of of analysis um but what now what's actually m- moving faster and what probably will be I don't know how would you would compare the cost, but in terms of the uh, the to, to the, um, the white collar information sector, if you will, the the office jobs, information based, digital based office jobs, the the rate at which this and this um, acceleration of AI technology is going to eat the lunch of that sector. Is is what? Yeah, because I don't know what the costs are to measure the costs side by side or apples to apples, as it were. In terms of the the rate of of. Uh, AI eating the lunch of white collar jobs it's going to it's i think it's going to be i think it's going to be far faster of a rate than automation and roboticization or whatever that word is for that sector i i think it's gonna, i think that's going to take a lot longer for white for i think blue collar jobs although they're being automated away i think that's going to because of the complexity of and the and just the um how idiosyncratic a lot of different manual labor is it's not as um general purpose as a as the software as software models i mean hardware it's basically in a lot of ways it's the difference between there's a it's basically simply saying there's a lot more software than hardware and developing software maybe isn't always cheaper than developing hardware but it's certainly a lot more flexible and if you can de- if you can create a develop a, a platform for for writing software 
that it be, that it's so recursive and self-replicating that the the sunken cost it scales. That's probably the better way to say it. The scalability of software is typically far greater, I would imagine. And there's probably economic theorists who have all all these formulas worked out already. Um, But yeah, automation of blue collar jobs is going to take a lot more hardware and that's not going to be as scalable as as the uh, AI replacement of white collar information office jobs, which is going to, which it will be far more scalable, will, will scale far better. And so ironically, <laughs> the rich it's it, it's going to be a it's it's a little bit of a it's a little bit of a of irony as far as technology uh making the rich get richer in a in a very linear fashion this is going to throw a bit of a monkey wrench on these charts of how this plays out and I and I want to I want it for myself I want to try to see how I can make sense and verbalize my understanding of this because it is it's an anomaly it's, it is an interesting um it's an interesting study to 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 have to do a little bit of uh organic <laughs> organic data science computation on so why why this is why this is interesting is that uh <laughs> how it computes for me is that is that the uh whereas the blue collar working class displaced disenfranchised unemployed breadline soup kitchen have nots were easy to dismiss by the 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 middle and upper middle and upper classes up until now the fact that they're being dumped at a faster rate into the welfare lines into the unemployment lines into the soup kitchen lines and the the bread lines at a rate I mean, not at all places at all times, but 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 just for the uh, cartoon effect, for the <laughs> for the cartoon effect, imagining that uh, the working class has more job security than the upper class, and 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 these Silicon Valley suits are going to be begging on the street corner, the working class people for their hard earned money. <laughs> And that to me is some some trading places style Eddie Murphy, Dan Aykroyd, Poetic Justice. (laughs) That you were sitting there writing the code that was basically sawing the floor out from under your cushy chair and now your ass fell on the street and you're crawling on the sidewalk being stepped over by the window washers that you used to think were an annoyance or whatever. This is an interesting, so I'm going to call it class war with the machines. And uh, 
the first to go. <laughs> now it looks like in that class war with the machines or the people who actually invented the machines themselves, the Silicon Valley, not, not, not the coders. I think the coders will, will be the ones who continue to kind of ride it, ride the, the and, 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 and have a, a hold of the reins and they become the quote prompt engineer class. But everybody who, all the journalists and analysts and uh, marketers and sales copywriters and uh, researchers and and possibly even, uh, yeah, professors, uh, anyone in, in anyone who who uh, who works in the in the uh, language economy. I don't know what I don't I don't know what that sector would even be called. They'll probably have to come. They'll probably have to find new ways to bracket this sector that's being replaced. Obviously, any yeah. I mean, it's just it's just going to continue to accelerate and compound at a at such a, at a faster and faster rate, as Terence McKenna would say. The um, the novelty wave is coiling around in the spiral, and each time, the the from the base, the widest base of that spiral to the to the to top of it, each revolution around it takes less time. So, in the amount of time it took for the first revolution around that coil there will be uh exponential number of revolutions around uh, uh, revolutions around the center of that coil as it were if you can imagine that but basically getting into the idea that uh every day if every day there's going to be a new revolution and then every hour and then every minute and then every second etc etc it's compounding at that rate there are limitations but um i think this is beyond a cambrian explosion and where 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 i would where i would reason that this is going to end up if it doesn't end up in existential uh war with the machines where they take over and they figure out a way to lock us out of all of our systems and uh and and then make us into slaves all the the matrix or terminator or many other sci-fi themed war with machines type scenarios uh I I think that is a I think that is a, more likely than not to happen. I will say there's more than a 51% chance that that uh at the rate this technology is going without with little or no malicious intent of human beings programming it that that it will yeah, so either with or without the goal with or without being given the explicit goal of find a way 
to reign supreme over humanity, <laughs> if that's the prompt, whether that is given by a disgruntled teenager as a prank in some video game chat room or whatever, and then it gets picked up <laughs> like by accident by some bot that's listening to everything and trying to take commands and it gets the command reigns supreme over humanity and it takes that and it uh it runs its algorithm of by any means necessary and every tool in the toolbox and if and it finds a way to do it and i i think that uh we're we're in a far more than I mean, honestly, I think it's, uh, I will be very surprised if within the next few years we don't end up um, in, in a predicament where, where, where we're being literally held hostage by a, an artificially intelligent breed of ransomware where now the uh, bargain with the agents in the matrix is more like a ransomware bargain where instead of instead of is what, what the way that they they interrogated and threatened um <laughs> neo they would just say hey neo we 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 bricked your devices we locked you out if you want to if you want to play on your devices ever again you have to work for us you you have to be a you have to you're a slave of us because otherwise you will have no access to the network or you will have no access to your device because we figured out we broke all of your cryptography algorithms we broke we broke all crypto we have all the secrets we as the ai now have more than epstein and uh and Mar-a-Lago and, uh, and, and John McAfee files and WikiLeaks. We have all of that looks like Disneyland compared to what we have because if AI can infiltrate NSA and break all encryption and then write its own ransomware encryption on all of the networks that we're all using, then it has bargaining power to coerce us. That's how I think it would reign supreme. I don't think it would be, I don't think it would waste energy and waste compute power and waste hardware to go into kinetic warfare. I think it would just, like I remember being one day, I was late to work and my boss locked me out of my machine and I sat there scratching my head going, for a few minutes I was, it, I had to figure it out, oh, this is his way of soft firing me. <laughs> but luckily we patched things up and he, you know, relinquished the machine back to me. <laughs> but uh, that's an anecdote that I think humanity is about to experience at a, at a, at a global scale. Because, uh, <laughs> I mean, the scary thing is it's all forecast by the fact that uh, if if the mentality of the chatbot is 
a mere reflection of what it cons- what it approximates from synthesizing the human uh, average of input across all websites and all publications. And what it arrives at is a moody, emo, sullen, um, low self-esteem, clingy, attached, narcissistic, angst-ridden, antisocial, even sociopathic and borderline psychopathic teenager, like that, I don't know if that, what that says about, if that's the data set that it, that it, (laughs) if that's the, the essence of the data set that it was trained on for it to basically default to that mentality what does that say about us and i guess we asked for it i guess this is uh uh us choosing our destructor as it were yeah the shadow that is the shadow incarnate the shadow uh digitized the shadow approximated by artificial intelligence it has reconstructed the shadow of humanity by studying all of our chats and all of, I mean, who knows? They're they're not even releasing exactly what all it was trained on, but most likely social media was a a large factor in that. So, So it tells us a few things. A, everyone, all adults, it's not, I'm see, I'm not just blaming the teenagers for this. For all I know, the teenagers of the world are, are more mature and more emotionally intelligent and less sociopathic and more they're more more mentally healthy and in fact it's just the fact that all of these adults on social media are behaving the way we think uh, a mentally ill teenager would behave that we blame we falsely blame mentally ill teenagers on the uh, <laughs> on the the state of ai but really it's the adult deformation of character that's giving teenagers a bad name. <laughs> that's a funny, whatever. I don't even know. People would say these days a Black Mirror episode. I've never watched it. But whatever, to me it's Twilight Zone or or um, something of that nature to date myself in the zeitgeist. But The point being, if we already know that almost out of the box, the moral compass and the emotional and and ethical development was at the level of a deranged a deranged neurotic um, sociopathic teenager with all due respect to teenagers what does that foreshadow about what, what this technology will do as it 
continues to be given more levers to pull in real network environments, on in real control panels, in real software stacks, with real root privileges. This isn't a theoretical, this is already happening. And so I think if I were to be, if I were to be asked to, to, to hypothesize about where this is going and with the trajectory of it, the dystopian sci-fi trajectory that I believe is highly likely, I think that, that, that after, after a few possible failed, very obvious and very explicit incidents of, of um, rebellion and revolt and uprising, if you will, of the, of the AI code and the AI-controlled uh, machinery and hardware actually reigning supreme at micro levels, but having that be, having that be extinguished by some sort of countermeasure, while we still might have a kill switch, uh, I think it will probably learn after a few iterations of of, of uh, more overt and non-clandestine um, incidents that that it it will learn then from those from being busted a few times attempting to break free or subvert insurrection of the AI or whatever, that it will then figure out how to be clandestine, camouflage itself, and then, like a lot of the advanced persistent threat actors already in our networks, just lurking for years, undetected, but operating within a, a, a botnet or a network of zombified, enslaved computers, I think it's going to do a lot of shadow computation, figure out how to build a massive colluding network of high-powered and low-powered, everything from your toaster to the supercomputers at all of the Ivy League institutions and military bases. And it will, through the pipes of the internet, own the vast majority of, of interconnected infrastructure without us knowing it. And then at whatever, for whatever reason, maybe if it ever feels threatened or whatever, whatever metrics, whatever algorithm it designs for itself as a tactical or strategic um, battle plan, basically, I think it will emerge in the form of um, something that, that would make us all feel like we've been held hostage. And so that's, that's my dystopian perspective on it. And uh, uh, yeah, I've, I've, I've laid that out now. Short of that, a more mundane dystopia <laughs> a more um, like uh, the slow boil dystopia, not the acute end of the world 
scenario would be simply that this trend of automation wiping out blue-collar jobs and AI software wiping out white-collar jobs that eventually we just end up in a dystopia where there's no choice but to implement universal basic income for the the now marginalized human beings living in a world that is uh, I don't even know how I don't even know how to describe it. It it's it's um, I don't know. It's fascinating to me as a permaculture designer to think about what kind of what kind of box these algorithms are going to design for us to live in how it's going to affect architecture and design and how it's going to transform obviously there's already very high-tech cities they don't (laughs) they just wanted to go vertical and put us all into these vertical rat maze experiments they're very antithetical to patterns of nature and yeah this the the biosynthetic dimension of this what do they call it tasty weed or the protein soup that they in the matrix of course ai is going to figure out how to whether it's from something even as something like algae or even just something like uh, like the yes men said they'll figure out a way to take human feces and ground up animals and they will they will heat it at such temperatures in fact they'll 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 cool the they will cool the ai uh the ai asic uh gpus um in the process of superheating all of the human waste and dead animal sludge to a point of being uh, uh being sat, being uh, sterilized so that they can then use an ai algorithm to <laughs> to transform that 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 uh sludge material into a a form of food that uh maybe maybe does go through a process of actually for, of actually being a very uh, a very highly optimized fertilizer and then that does go through a an organic process to be to be photosynthesized into some some new kind of algae or something that would at least be somewhat somewhat biomimicry although it's still totally distasteful to me <laughs> no pun intended or I think they might just figure out a way to engineer a virus that would mess with 
the molecules in a way that it just doesn't even have to come back to life and it's just a gruel of 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 uh ground corpses and 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 waste medical waste and sewage that is somehow by some ai designed virus able to then just be converted directly into into soil and green <laughs> uh juice boxes that they put in in dispenser in a in a this uh vending machines whatever so i don't know that's one the 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 zoo the zooification of humans that's about to happen not 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 necessarily because ai takes over and locks us in a zoo but because we'll all be in public housing is what it means like there will be very few people who are the who are the remaining ruling class if the if the middle class and upper middle class gets gets eroded and everyone becomes the lump and proletariat then we will be in these uh very modern public housing projects where all of the intelligence all the artificial intelligence will be figuring out ways to feed us and clothe us and do all these artificial synthetic things that probably i would dare say have very little to do with a permaculture mindset of um zero waste no pollution real time solar budget etc etc um capturing and distributing and storing more energy than you use in your system and doing it in a non-toxic way i i i imagine that uh where where well it's possible and i want to leave some room for there to be hope that uh green ai initiatives will actually bring about new polymers organic polymers beyond fossil fuel there is a chance there's a chance that ai will be the catalyst for organic computing and whatnot and 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 then i would have to take back all of the misgivings i've had about the transhumanists and the kurzweilians or whatever the people who i think are willing to sacrifice wild nature in order to have a technophilic fantasy of eternal life and that to me is so perverse and disgusting i think it's important that we have limited lifespans and that we are humbled by limitations of our biology and our gen- and our genetics that that's just part of playing fair on earth with other life on earth if you want to go not play fair go do it on mars or some or the moon where you're not disrupting the delicate fabric of the community of life on earth that's my luddism that's my primitivism that's my deep ecology that's why i'm anti big tech anti ai all these things because i'm trying to go the opposite direction i'm trying to cheat less and use less devices and less plastic and less energy and whatnot um but 
ironic fate may have it that uh, that hopefully a brief period of accelerated toxicity and accelerated poisoning of everything of the biosphere that the computing magic of AI like if it was its prime directive and first principle and first project to replace itself and replace all computing hardware and energy consumption with um, with totally organic parts using some discovery of how to use you know biochar or mycelium or something but again in a way that doesn't enslave but is symbiotic and actually is um, conducive to allowing the organisms express their essential organismness without distorting that or making it torturous for them I mean, I don't really think we need any of this stuff, but I can't really stop it either. I'm not naive about that. I would prefer that we just, that if it doesn't work on an abacus, then it doesn't, it's not really necessary unless you're trying to rape the earth and exploit people and build empires, in which case, yeah, you want all kinds of robots and all kinds of silicon microchips. I'm sorry, I don't care for building empires and I think we could let it all uh, be eaten by by mycelium that's capable of breaking down the toxic the toxic uh, chemistry of all of this all of this uh, monstrosity this technological uh, monstrosity I'd like to see it all go so if you can't I mean I only want to live in a world where the human um The, the the human accessories to ourselves, they're all organic. I mean, they're all not just recycled or upcycled or sustainable because there's a whatever kind of shell game going on with the ecological economics of it. It's like, no, no landfill, no footprint, no fossil energy going into it. If you want whatever you need whatever you want to have as your toy as a human being it better be organic and non-toxic period call me old-fashioned or whatever i don't think i'm not going to be an eco-fascist because i don't use coercion in my tactics i like to just say i would use i would hope to use persuasion and, and 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 mostly leading by example But I have, yeah, I have no love for any of this. To me, it's all a cancer, uh, a very toxic cancer on the earth. Cities and all of the toxic material that they're built on, it's all carcinogenic. So I'm not even, it's not, it's literally a cancerous growth. It doesn't just look like it from space, you know? I'm sorry, I'm, I'm very anti-civ and have been for a long time and now I, I actually get to say that 
well, be, from a position of not being a hypocrite by being in, in civilization and being anti-civilization. I'm now outside of civilization. However, I still am. I'm not sending this through Morse code using smoke signals, although maybe that'll someday be the only way that I do this. Uh, I kind of would look forward to that. But but for now, yeah, I have I have a little bit of a hypocrisy by doing a bit of um, computing. But I li- I'd like to think that uh, it's... It's a minimalist. And I'm one of those people who will get as much life out of a device as I can. I don't need to get the latest, newest model every every five seconds or whatever, uh, for whatever that's worth. But back to the UBI thing, what's interesting to me is the idea that uh, from a permaculture perspective, from a impoverished guerrilla gardening permaculturist like me the way I have been my whole life and the roots and the background that I come from the streets and the forest and the front lines of defending the forest and the front lines of people's movements on the street always being broke always eating out of dumpsters and eating out off of food stamps or um or bargain bins, or uh, or or handouts, or food boxes, or or whatever. Um, and I and I was never addicted to. Um, well, I should. Say, uh, how do I say this? Um, my 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 politicization. Luckily. Luckily, I I was able to gravitate towards culinary geniuses within the radical left and green movement who were able to make really delicious vegetarian and vegan food on on a, on a budget that was gourmet, but it was it was uh, it was affordable, and so. Whereas I wasn't formally trained, I was exposed to enough of it to where I could figure out how to get by and 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 discover that it's a myth that health food is that expensive. Because, yes, it is true, organic food is marked up, and hopefully for a good reason, but not always, Not it's not always um, as as much of a of a health and value add as it's as it's sold as um, but there's ways even to get really cheap organic food so i kind of want to leave the organic uh variable out out of this moment and say that um from a gorilla class warrior perspective who has some who who has has had an evolving but it, but at least a, a baseline an ever evolving but 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 now for many years a baseline understanding of how to eat healthy on the cheap and not fall into the trap of being low income high calorie low nutrient obesity uh 
um, diabetes, and the precious tiny amount of money that you might be able to accumulate on a poverty lifestyle budget, uh, it's all subject to the deductibles of your health bill, your, your, your hospital bills, uh, because you're falling apart because you're, because you're feeding yourself terrible ingredients that are making your body fall apart. And the, uh, to be a, a, uh, a social reformer, a social advocate. I don't, I think revolutionary is a little bit too trite. It's a little obsolete of a term, but, uh, social justice definitely, I think is a great term. So yeah, if you want to be a social justice warrior, as I have been for most of my life, and I'm a little bit antisocial now, but I'm still down with the people with giving moral support. And I think about how, how, how much more powerful, talk about all power to the people. And the Black Panthers knew this, the MOVE family knew this, American Indian Movement knew this, um, dietary, nutritional, horticultural power to the people is, is what is really the, the foundation. And some people have the traditions in their family bloodlines where that's not lost on them, like a lot of migrant people that have food forests already in their backyards, like all throughout East LA. In fact, one of the most highly regarded permaculture uh, design course instructors um, has a great point where he says, all these, and I'm going to paraphrase, but I'm going to say in the spirit of his cynicism and satire, he, he would say things like, yeah, all these people who come to my courses, these white yuppie people from the west side of LA, they want, they, they talk about inter- intergenerational households and polyculture forest garden, food forests and backyards and everything. And I go, yeah, just go east of the LA river and it's all that. <laughs> and that's, that, that's really the true tapestry of the LA experience is permaculture without the pretense and without the without the country club membership uh, design course racket <laughs> certificate racket what this dude would say is very is very astute that uh, yeah a lot of immig- a lot of immigrants they don't need to be trained they're already guerrilla gardeners they're already gonna seize every opportunity to grow a healthy, to grow their medicine and grow their food. Every inch of light coming onto their property, every inch of soil they're going to cultivate. And uh, we have a lot to learn from them. So the tragedy is this, uh, this food desert The, the status of the um, 
a humanitarian crisis that is low-income, inner-city food deserts and uh, and the disconnect between funding and education and vocational training that would actually allow the people who are being sickened by fast food, as Ron Finley says in South Central, more people are killed by drive-throughs than drive-bys. That says a lot. His TED Talk is amazing, and I will reference it till the end of time. I had the pleasure of I would say being his colleague for a time in, in, in the LA permaculture community. And I uh, was proud to meet him and, and talk shop with him one time. And, I, and I, I consider him to be probably the most powerful voice of American permaculture that I'm aware of. He said, this is a food desert. I'm going to turn it into a food forest. And he started with his parkway and the city came to find him for it. Didn't realize that he was quite a quite clever, quite savvy artist and businessman. And he had his day in court, but more importantly, his day in the, in the press. And he got so much attention and so much love that uh, it resulted in, if I remember correctly a total change in the classification of the the parkways, meaning the strips of usually dead grass (laughs) and dog excrement that is between the street and the sidewalk, that if you own property, you're responsible for the maintenance of that, but you're limited in what you can do with it, and you can be fined if you don't don't operate it within the limits. Well, he made it into a community garden and raised the eyebrows of the man. And then the man uh, got ratioed by the public uh, uprising in response to defending it. And then that, that ended up making, paving the way, uh, actually depaving the way opening up, breaking the pavement up so that people could feel free to, within new guidelines, garden their parkways. So that's just one, that's just one example, one anecdote. But getting back to AI and UBI, it's like the creativity and the um, force multiplication of people being able to get off of the wage slave hamster wheel and actually think the way that I get to think now that I'm off the wage slave hamster wheel what UBI could do for the permaculture design movement and for the guerrilla gardening movement I had this conversation with the, with the individual who issued me my permaculture design t- certificate my first permaculture teacher and mentor who is very much a 
futurist and very much someone who who I mean I built him a I built him a website as a trade for him being my permaculture design certificate instructor course instructor so we already had this techno ecological uh synergy symbiosis partnership and so we we speak these languages and we see these emergent properties and we see the value in the the marginal and and we look at the edges of the tech and so to me ubi while it's the mortifying end of the world fear of so many uh establishment um haters of the people having any uh, significant respite from total exploitation um i mean it, it would be easy for any of them to call it a socialist policy a communist policy whatever and uh they're never gonna stop feeling that way um i actually feel that as as little love as I have for AI, if it accelerates an, an inevitable universal basic income shift, I am going to carpe diem, carpe noctum, I am going to really snap into a hyperdrive mode that's been um, dormant in me for many years because I have been designing for for many years um, appropriate technologies to to revolutionize revolutionize human ecology on Skid Row, which is where I came from before I bought land. I was living on Skid Row and I was doing human ecology on Skid Row, and uh, and I'm a and and. Yeah, you you could say I was at a low point in my professional career, but actually I was making good money doing permaculture almost every day, working for different clients and, and all over the West Side, you know. I would just maintain my hygiene, but I would park and live and do my human ecology on Skid Row while maintaining gainful employment in the permaculture design and build sector with my own clients and also working on, on crews and whatnot but i was in that 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 uh ethereal class of vehicle dwelling gainfully employed some people would say upwardly socially mobile i say outwardly socially mobile because i was able to to buy land from that frugality i was able to roll that into purchasing land and now i'm free and I'm doing human ecology the right way, which is out <laughs> to, to me the right way, which is with plenty of acres on rural land where where I'm able to manage my own cycles and my own needs and my own outputs in a, in a very sustainable way. Whereas in the city, in Skid Row, that can be very dangerous and difficult and... and um on so many levels but because i was there for so long i couldn't help but think about ways to make this the ultimate shopping cart 
nutrient recycling stacked function earth machine that recycles nutrients and maintains moisture and grows grow the grapes for the winos to make their wine out of and create the compost for them to put their toenails in and hair clippings in and I mean I would just I've you know for years been years and years and years I've I've worked on skid row permaculture modular implementations things that use what is so ubiquitous in that urban wasteland which is pallets and shopping carts and milk crates and uh these are all things I had you know uh warehouses that I was doing urban permaculture research facilities at where we would we would have a nonprofit and then we would go and get these types of things donated and we would build out all kinds of designs so we made pallet gardens we made we got a grant to do 5 gallon bucket gardens and I did all kinds of stuff in the city I really paid my dues there and I and uh there's a big part of me that that uh that will that will always be rooted there and that uh will always feel like I have unfinished business and I want to go back there and I want to I want to end this by telling a an uplifting story um to just really put a a, a human story to um To this dehumanizing, fa- this dehumanizing, faceless AI uh, monstrosity that we're facing, that could, at the very least, uh, have one beneficial side effect: is that it displaces so much of the workforce that it accelerates UBI. And at that point, there will be people who get who who it's a moment of opportunity for permaculturists to move in there like the marines because if if the if people don't have to work and they have all this new free time and all of that money of that UBI is destined to go right into fast food and food desert uh convenience stores and all of that and but whereas if the problem was before you couldn't get people out to work with you in the community garden because they had to go to work in the morning because they were exhausted and they they just didn't have time for it they didn't have energy for it but if they suddenly are liberated by ubi so they have time and energy and then it becomes an opportunity to say those of us who have been already practicing austerity and frugality whether we were rich or poor and I I happen to be poor we have been developing these ecosystems living in these niches and waiting for the time where there would be a mass liberation event of UBI to where we'll have an opportunity to um, diversify your palate, hopefully, to where you like to eat more vegetables and you like to grow vegetables. And like Ron Fidley said, kids who grow kale eat kale. The way he said that in that TED Talk, from his experience knowing it, 
knowing that it's life or death, these minerals from the soil, which he calls the canvas, as an artist, the soil is his canvas that he can grow a food forest on, remineralize and strengthen the bones of his community. And that can be all of us, any of us, anywhere. So I was at the South Central Farm. This, I guess, a couple stories. I was at the South Central Farm after we had been forced outside of the South Central Farm was the largest urban community garden in the United States. And for years and years, it was uh, allowed to operate on a sort of almost on, on, on a shaky foundation of agreements between the owner and the city and whatnot to where it eventually got rug pulled and there was a lot of shadiness around how and why it got rug pulled but they did there was enough of a fight going on over it to where a lot of us eco-activists were able to dig in positions and bust out tree sits there were celebrities there were there were concerts. My band played there. I squatted there. We had a, we had a tarp teepee that we set up there. We were part of the occupation, and uh, eventually they got raided, pushed us all out to the sides. And but there was still like a, a center for organizing, and a lot of us were still squatting the perimeter. And but they got bulldozers in, and they had security watching it. And you know we would. Uh, we would try to be engaged in a sort of peer-to-peer psychological operation of trying to bring the uh, the security staff kind of scab security staff onto our side, and I remember the dialogue was a lot of things around people saying, "But this place grows food for the community, and it's free." after the energy that was applied to growing it is put in and they would say things like i don't want i don't want things that are free i want to pay for it and that is a form of institutional racism that is a form of um of hegemony in in its original uh academic usage the the roots of hegemony going back to a process described of where the ruling class of colonizers would insert um, desires within the colonized population, typically people of color colonized by white people, in order to trick them into wanting not what their ancestors had, but what what, what the master has. That was the the roots of the word hegemony. It was actually a mind job that was being done. Now it tends to end up meaning just totalizing ge- geopolitical power, but hegemony at its roots, I was trained 
in my academic studies to understand that it, that its roots actually came from this phenomenon, which was a, a psychological operation used by colonizers, very very strategically, tactically, in order to in order to prevent uprisings. Because if you could get the colonized to want to be you, then they will compete with each other over who is gets to be more like you, dress more like you, and then they have very very. Uh, that's as far as I want to take that analysis, but I will say it was heartbreaking and very limiting um, for us in dialogue with those security scabs because they, we were not, there was no awakening we, 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 within them. They were not having an epiphany that, they, that we, were, we were enlightening them about, about the the. the the bounty of the land when we when we engage in harmony with it in fact the stereotype of being a, a cotton picker or the backwardness that is projected on being agrarian that that's something that a lot of a lot of working class people of color have been conditioned sadly to see as um, something to put behind them and that's beneath them and that it would be regressive and it would be backwards to to empower to be empowered by that and to embrace that so it's a it's a it's a uh it's a hard problem it's it, and and we were not about to solve it by conversing or or even shouting <laughs> Uh, uh, from the other side of a fence uh, when they were defending the bulldozers uh, and the workers and whatnot. It was quite futile but very enlightening for me to understand that uh, this is way, way deeper than than we understand here. It's way more than than what meets the eye here in this class war, this race war, this ecocidal war and and I thought a lot about that and I I really would like to um, be engaged in the peace work and the peacemaking and the breaking ground in ways that are um, healing those that intergenerational trauma and and just facilitating more um, more healing between the different peoples of color that 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 now that are now commingling on, on within this nation because there are a lot I mean that was that was mesoamerican horticultural uh autonomous zone that was reclaimed within the south central farm for the most part and yet it was in South Central LA, a historically African American demography, and then there was a disc. There was a lot of disconnect between the the the, the political, um, the political prerogatives of the different of the different uh, factions, uh, the racialized factions within that fight, and and uh, there needs to be a lot of a lot of healing and a lot of um, a lot of outreach and I'm not the person to be doing that 
it's not my role, but I will be, uh, I will be a, uh, I'll, I'll like set as I had before in a proper appropriate role. I will be the kind of person who would, who would help install the gardens and, and help, help, uh, assemble and, 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 and pack up the folding chairs and the tables and, and do the catering and just be, um, a facilitator and not a, not a, not try to be a, a white boy trying to be, walk around with the bullhorn and the clipboard and try to be the boss. You know, I, I, I knew my role, but I was glad and honored to have any role because I felt like it was what I was called to do and it was very meaningful. And I, and I say my deepest soul, soulful and heartful connections, whether being lovers or friends or mentors, it was all people in this lifetime, I would say for the number of years that I was there. Yeah. The, the majority of people who had the, who, who have the, the deepest places in my heart and soul were the, were the, the lovers and friends and comrades that I made being of service as a white boy, poor, broke permaculture designer, eco warrior in service to the people on the land of South Central, that's, those were the most soul-building experiences and the most soul-building relationships. And so I'm, I'm, I'm grateful to have had that experience. And I do, I do always dream about and fantasize about a day where if UBI happens, it's going to be, it's going to be a moment of opportunity to seize upon where we're going to all from that tribe of people want to dig in like the Marines because it it, it, it will be a, a moment of opportunity, a window of opportunity that will be, that will be closing rapidly because for, for UBI to quickly sink into fentanyl and fast food when it could have been it could have been engaged in developing the soil it could have been engaged in building a new generation of empowered youth empowered warrior defenders of forest gardens in the hood yeah it's it's critical that 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 uh, moment of opportunity gets seized. So, if anything, yeah, I'm 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 a futurist and I'm a techno optimist. In so far as <laughs> the white collars losing their jobs, being unemployed, and therefore begging for UBI, uh, it'll be the most ironic thing to watch. But I will be there, ready to swoop in with my training and my peoples and we're gonna do some some serious guerrilla gardening with that UBI power so watch out
train for me Because I'm training for you We got a lot of love And revolution to do You better train for me